0: Hello and welcome to A History of the United States, episode 11, Introduction to Social History. This podcast only exists because of listener support. If you want to support the show, I'd like to ask you to sign up for membership. It only costs $4.99 per month, and you can do it by going to the website, thehistoryofpodcast.com, and clicking on the PayPal subscription button. That gives you access to a whole bunch of extra episodes telling the full fleshed-out story of the United States. Our newest pioneers this week are listeners Robbie and Kerry. Thanks guys, I couldn't do this show without you. We're beginning to enter a significant moment in the narrative as we last left things in 1619, following the creation of the General Assembly. What we've been doing since episode 2 is telling the story of the Jamestown Settlement, but last week we began to stop doing this. This is for a couple of reasons. We haven't had as much material since Smith left the colony, making it harder to form a narrative, but perhaps more importantly, it's simply gotten too big. For years, Jamestown was all there was to the United States, but it really isn't anymore. Remember how big a deal it was when we began setting up other settlements outside of Jamestown, or how when Rolfe assessed the colony in 1616, there were only six recognised settlements? By 1620, there were close to 30. This means changing the nature of the way I tell the story, since it would really be impractical for me to talk about such micro-decisions as we dealt with at Jamestown in 30-odd different settlements. That would be as uninteresting as it is irrelevant to telling the story of the United States, which is what I'm trying to do. In short, what I'm trying to say is that this is the point where we stop telling the story of Jamestown and begin to move into telling the story of Virginia. So, We're not going to be moving the narrative forward very much this week. What I want to do instead is look at just what Virginia has become over the last 15 years or so. This brings us to our community-inspired title, Introduction to Social History, since this will be the first time we really get into the more human side of things. I deeply hope you'll find this episode more useful than Greendale's advanced breath-holding, Can I Fry That?, and ladders. So, we'll begin by dealing with the big question of how on earth did Virginia jump from six settlements to almost 30 in four years? I noted last time out how Argyle set sail for Jamestown in 1617 with 150 settlers. Six ships set sail in 1618, carrying 400 colonists. In 1619, That number rose to ten ships carrying a thousand, and in 1620, thirteen ships brought over thirteen hundred colonists to Virginia. The number could have been even higher were it not for a storm in late 1620. Sandys, in addition to his wider efforts of getting tradesmen and the general population to travel to Virginia, also, works on convincing religious dissenters, such as the Puritans and the Nonconformists, to make the journey. He works particularly hard on a group of separatists who had spent the last decade living in the Netherlands, the Pilgrims. These Pilgrims set sail to settle in the northern reaches of Virginia, the mouth of the Hudson, but this never quite happened. Either they were blown off course by a storm or they simply changed their minds en route. But either way, the Pilgrims instead landed at Cape Cod in December 1620, where they would form New England. But I'm just mentioning this to let you know that it was going on. We're going to talk a lot more about this in a few episodes' time. It wasn't just the English involved in Virginia. There were a number of foreign artisans from around Europe who found work at the colony. There were German and Dutch glassmakers, French specialists in vineyards and silk, Poles who could produce pitch and tar, as well as Italian glass blowers, The Continentals would never properly settle in Virginia, though. They and the English simply didn't get on. I suspect part of this was to do with the German defections to Wahamsonokok, which had caused so much trouble for the early settlers. There is one line in particular I really want to quote, a comment by Sandys concerning the Italians a more damned crew hell never vomited, End quote. In addition, in these years, another group was introduced, but not voluntary migrants. I'm of course talking about the introduction of slavery to America. We'll have a lot to say about slavery in the future, whole series of episodes about it, so I'm not going to go into any great detail here. I'm not going to lecture you either, about the evils of the institution. I'm pretty sure that everyone listening knows that slavery was a bad thing and you're all smart people. I'm not ignoring the issue, and we can address it properly in the future. It's an important issue, and shouldn't be simplified to two minutes of material. I do, though, since it is being introduced, want to make a quick point or two about it. Firstly, I want to go back to what I learned in school, In primary school, or elementary school as it's called in the States, history was very hot We darted all over the place, never covering anything in any detail. This is fair, by the age of 10, I had an interest in world history, I knew about the ancient world, British history, and had a decent grasp of most other periods, but I was the only one. But... Me ranting about how annoyed ten-year-old me was that we weren't learning about the complexities of European diplomacy in the Thirty Years' War isn't really the point here. Once we were done with that and advanced to high school, we went through a three-year required history course. The first year started with the Romans and then moved on to the Anglo-Saxons and began to cover the Normans. The second year covered the Normans, the Middle Ages, the Tudors, and the English Civil War. The third year covered slavery and the two world wars. When we were learning about slavery, and I would have been about 13 at this point, we focused exclusively on the British slave trade in North America. It's all very interesting, but almost 10 years on, I'm realising just how warped a lot of what we were taught was. I'm not saying that we were lied to, more that we weren't given the full story. This is what I'd like to do from the outset, indeed, in this whole podcast, give you a clearer picture of what is going on. So, that is the understanding I had in school. I can't speak with great knowledge about the American school system, but when dealing with slavery, I imagine that it also focused exclusively on American slavery. According to current theories on the subject, it is estimated that 400,000 Africans were taken from their homes. And brought to British North America. This is terrible, obviously. This is what I was taught in schools. What I wasn't taught was that this was less than 5% of the total. The vast majority of the total, which was some 12 million people, were either sent to the mines or the plantations in the Sugar Islands, Spanish America, or Brazil. We'll be focusing on the portion that went to America, since this is a history of America. But just know this formed a tiny percentage of the total. This isn't to negate what happened in British North America. A terrible act isn't made any less terrible because something worse happened somewhere else. I just want you to have the full picture. With this in mind, it also explains just how the first slaves made their way to Virginia. These men and women were captured from the kingdom of Ndongo, modern Angola, in West Central Africa. They had been captured by the Portuguese and were sailing to Brazil when they were captured by Dutch pirates, and then taken to Virginia via the Caribbean. Another theme, which will to a large extent define our narrative, will be wealth inequality. This too can be viewed in these early years. Tobacco very quickly became the go-to cash crop for the early settlers, and they were very soon producing plenty of the stuff. Rolfe sent back to England four barrels of tobacco in 1614, and by 1620, Virginia was producing £60,000 of the stuff. Yet, this wealth was concentrated. Settlers travelled with servants, which gave them more land, and more ability to make a profit. Men who travelled to work for the company were traded to private individuals for a year, and this trade in servants became the form by which most people had their wealth. This is what most of the population was. It's thought that 95% of the colonists making their way over to Virginia were doing so as servants, rather than freeholders. So, the elite began to grow rich off tobacco. The stories of the men who had travelled to the New World were exciting to those back in England. They had explored new lands, they had created a new industry, they had met wild savages, civilised them, and John Rolfe had even married a princess and brought her back to England. Life was hard and miserable in England, but Virginia was abundant with food. It was an exciting prospect. Indeed, the American dream is as old as America herself. But... This is only what happens to the few. Richard Frethorn was something close to a typical case. He sent a letter home shortly after he arrived in Virginia, saying that he was in a miserable state with no clothes or meat. He'd spent the last three months eating nothing but peas and water gruel. Another planter wrote that he couldn't believe that the boy's parents had sent him there. They should have killed him instead. That would have been kinder. While he didn't get to go home, he was put out of his misery when he died a few months later. The turnaround in servants was remarkable. They were malnourished, many were killed by scurvy. There was also dysentery from the bad water, and they were still beset by the bloody flux. There was no shelter either. Many of them had been sent, but Virginia wasn't prepared for them, and they were forced to live in the woods while their houses were built. Thousands were travelling to the New World, and they were dying. Three quarters of the servants died within a year of the landing. Virginia had been sold to these poor souls as a land of milk and honey. They were instead met by something close to hell on earth. To rework a quote from Catch-22, everyone in Virginia was dead except those who were about to be. It wasn't all doom and gloom, though. Life was brutal, but there was an opportunity for advancement, which didn't really exist back in England. The leaders in Virginia were not the aristocracy. There were no earls or lords in the new world. This new leadership was made up of the merchant class. While most indentured servants either died or lived in poverty, there was still an opportunity for a better lot. Seven men who were listed as servants in 1624 were representatives in the House of Burgesses only five years later. The colony was still very male-dominated, although things had improved since the early days when there were no women at all. Remember how big a deal it was when the first two women arrived with the second supply. By now, the gender ratio was 7 to 1, a sign of what life was like for these women was an event which took place in 1619, when the company paid for 90 educated maids to be brought to Virginia. They were, to quote, Virginia, the New Dominion, by Virginia Stabney, quote, sent over by the company for the benefit of such settlers as felt the need of matrimony, end quote. So yeah, things weren't great for women either. I think that should give you a sense of just what life was like for the ordinary Virginian around 1620. Our first social history episode. I'm far more used to writing about politics and the military, so this episode has been a bit strange to write. Particularly as when I started writing it, I had originally intended it for it to be about the 1622 Powhatan uprising. But then it sort of turned into something completely different please let me know what you think of this episode. Do you like the style? I imagine as once we get more people in America, I'll be able to do this sort of thing more often and in more detail. As interesting as the story is, it's also important to know just what life was like for the people we're talking about. So, yes, please let me know what you think. You can do this either by sending me an email, thehistoryofpodcast at gmail.com, you can contact me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash The History of Podcast, on Twitter, at History Jamie, and then if you want to sign up for membership, you can do so at the website, TheHistoryOfPodcast.com. I usually say that I will see you next week, but as you may have noticed, I've been releasing episodes a bit more regularly. And in preparation for a special episode next week, we're going to be releasing them thick and fast, so I will see you in two days. Imagine that, only 48 hours to wait for a new episode. So, I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.